Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Pastor Colton Pemberton with People's Tabernacle Students, praying that you have had a blessed day thus far, praying that this podcast can become more of a blessing to you. Um, We're going to be coming out of Romans chapter 4, and if you haven't figured this out by now, um, Romans happens to be my favorite book of all of the Bible. I love all of the Bible the same. Um, Each part, obviously, each portion has a very specific reason for it being there. It is the living Word of God, and it has uh, um, given us so much insight to who God is and uh, the relationship that we can have with Him. But Romans, uh, just to me, uh, again, and I, I'm just uh, a man, just an individual, just uh, but flesh, uh, but I, I feel like Romans explains the new covenant in one of the most applicable, way, applicable ways possible. Um, we are filled with, uh, you know, the New Testament's filled with so many uh, great understandings of the new covenant, of course, and if you study it uh, expositionally and you begin to study it historically, uh, all of the Old Testament and the New Testament alike is so applicable to our lives. Uh, but Romans really is the explanation of the new covenant, and this is such a great covenant we have. And covenant is just a kind of a fancy biblical term uh, for what God does in our lives. And what I mean by that is what God did in the Old Testament, which we would say the Old Covenant, is how God dealt with the Israelite children of that day. And now, uh, under the New Covenant, how God deals with us today. Romans chapter 4, I want to title this, if I may, uh, simply, The Faith of Abraham. And I want to uh, take some time on this. I don't know really how much time I'll be able to uh, spend, but I want to spend probably uh, really a few a few episodes on this. We could talk so much about uh, what exactly is taking place in Romans, but uh, here it's interesting. Um, this is just such a such a rich chapter. Romans chapter four. Um, it's talking and explaining about uh, the faith that Abraham had and the faith that uh, we need to have as individuals. Um, but I really I really want to take my time on this because it's something so so significant uh, in the life of a New Testament believer. Now, this is Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Um, I am asking God that he would help us uh, to be able to deliver this word uh, according to his will. Uh, Before I read Romans chapter 4, let me say this, that everyone who is a Christian, who has accepted Christ in their life, they want to be right. No one wants to sin. After you have the desire to serve God, I know that nobody wants to fail God. I get that. I understand that. And it's a part of our hearts. But Satan is uh, has has done so well uh, throughout the years and throughout even just the kind of Western American culture that we live uh, to get our minds dwelling on the performance aspect of Christianity. We think after we fail that God's not good enough, that God can't save us, God can't forgive us. But I'm here to tell you today, no matter the mistakes that you've made, no matter the sinful silliness that you've got yourself in, God can forgive you. But not only can he forgive you, he can deliver you. He can set you free and he can set your feet upon a solid rock. Um, and so I, I want you to understand that I know everybody wants to be right, uh, but Satan can try to try to trick us into thinking that it's all about our performance and how much we sin or how less we sin. And I also want to tell you uh, that I know that the great question of the modern day church is, man, how do I become righteous? How do I actually live in freedom? How do I live in the righteousness of God? I think that's something that we all want to do. And nobody wants to fail God continually. Uh, if you have the knowledge, of course, there being a God, and, and I mean that uh, because I pray that there are people who maybe not believe in God that listen to the podcast. 
But if you have a knowledge of the fact that you know that God is real and that you've accepted his son Jesus and uh, you're allowing yourself to walk in the process of what we would call sanctification, trying to live a holy life and uh, becoming more Christ-like, then then you ask yourself, man, how do I become more righteous and how do I continue uh, to be righteous? And I know that's a very ever uh, uh, daunting question upon our minds. And we ask ourselves, how do I live the Christian life? What does it mean to me to live a a practical Christian life? And I, I think Paul deals with that better than anybody in Romans and the book of Romans. Um, and uh, Christ also obviously better than anybody being the, uh, the son of man, the savior of all of mankind deals with it so plainly in the book of Matthew and teaching us how to live for him. And uh, Christ throughout all of the gospels, of course, teaching us to do so, but then God giving the understanding of the new covenant to the apostle Paul would say this in Romans chapter four. Um, and, and I know that's a question that we all have. How do I just, how do I live for God? And I think that Paul really deals with that in Romans chapter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Paul says this, he says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Let me give us some background here, if we can just bring our uh, minds to uh, the attention of who Abraham is as an individual. Uh, This was about, uh, oh, I'd say about 2,000 years uh, before Paul was writing this, if I can remember correctly, if we're thinking about the traditional viewpoint of how old the world is, this is really this has been about four to five to six thousand years ago that God had given Abraham the promise of uh, many nations. Now, get this: Abram, uh, before he had turned to Abraham, was a man uh, out of the Ur of Chaldees uh, who was actually a part of a family of idol makers. Uh, they were a very wealthy family. We know that because of what Abraham had, and when God had called him, what Abraham took with him. Uh, They were uh, an idol-making family, and God had called him uh, and said that, Abraham, I want you to go somewhere. It's amazing to me, Abraham's faith. God didn't tell him where he was going. God didn't tell him how long he was going to be there. He didn't even tell him to what to pack on the trip. He told him to go, and Abraham said, Lord, I'll go. And so Abraham, being that man of faith, I pray he can have, uh, we can have the same great faith that Abraham did in that day. Uh, But uh, Paul here is dealing with Abraham, and because he being the father of the Jewish people who Paul Paul was a part of. He also says that Paul, uh, excuse me, that Abraham was also the father of us all because through his lineage came Christ Jesus, who is the son of God. He says this, uh, that um, in verse 2, he says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. It's amazing. Abraham never once boasted about what he did. He said, oh, man, I'm such a great man of God. I I packed up without knowing anything, and I moved away. Because Abraham's faith wasn't in his works. Abraham's faith was in God himself. Now, Abraham, uh, more than any of us, probably has more of a right to boast about what he did because God gave him him the promise of thus being many nations, and we're all grafted in. Even if you're not a Jew, if you're a Gentile today and you believe Jesus is the Messiah and he's the Savior of your sins, then you, my friend, are grafted into the kingdom of God. And so we get this that, you know, Abraham probably more than anybody had the right to brag, but he didn't. He had faith in God himself. And that's why Paul says, he says he has something to boast about, but not before God, because it was God's gift to him. It's amazing that, you know, I think if, if we really looked at, you know, the difference between faith and the difference between works that, you know, what do I mean by works? You might even ask yourself, works, I'm talking about the amount of, as it relates today, the amount of, uh, of prayer, the amount of reading the Bible. We can often look at these things like Christian disciplines, like that's how we get closer to God. Now get, now get this, reading your Bible and praying, of course, are yes, how God begins to set um, himself up for success in our lives. And what I mean by that is how much God speaks to us, of course, and how God wants to deal with man. 
but they're not how we become righteous. We become righteous by simple faith. And again, I'll talk about this in just a moment. But Paul's here saying this. He says, look, works are equal to boasting. If you work for your salvation, and if you work for your faith rather than having simple faith, then you're going to boast. You're going to be a prideful individual because you accomplished it, because you're the one that's accomplishing the works. But if works come before faith, they automatically turn to pride and self-reliance. So get this, faith has to come before works. Now, if we are reminded in the book of James. James says you cannot have faith unless there be works. But the order of events is that there's faith placed in Christ and then works are manifested afterwards. Now verse 3, it says this, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. It didn't say Abraham worked for God. It didn't say Abraham had to jump uh, over the Jordan River for God. It didn't say Abraham had to uh, you know, pick up five stones from the river and slay a Goliath just like David had done. No, it said that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Believed God. Believed the Lord at his word. Faith in God. And I want to say this. It means that you know Abraham had faith in the Lord. It says that faith in God always produces unearned righteousness. Always, every single time. You know, I I think that we're inherently not righteous people. The Bible is so clearly, uh, you know, uh, clear on that. It's it's Romans 3.23, you know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Psalms 51, and sin did my my mother conceive me. We are all inherently unrighteous individuals. But if you believe God, God accounts it to you for righteousness. Now, verse 4, it says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. In my notes, I put to the one who puts faith in his works, they're not a gift. They are his due. They're his workmanship. They're uh, a chore for him. Working for righteousness, it's never fun. You know, it feels more like a never-ending chore, a never-ending work. If you begin to think that the only way you can receive righteousness is by what you do and it's contingent upon who you are, then my friend, I believe you'll be the most dissatisfied, um, frustrated individual ever because the simplicity of the gospel is you believe Christ at his word that he is savior and then you are righteous, then you are in right standing with God himself. Verse 5, it says, And to the one who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And that's Paul's instruction for us today. You and I can have righteousness solely based upon our faith. To the one who believes in God and trusts in forgiveness, to that man he is justified. You know, and I want to deal with just the term simply justified. It's actually a legal term uh, that there uh, is still used in the court of law today. Justified means legally declared righteous. You and I were born unrighteous. We were born sinners. We were born into sin, destined for hell itself. But whenever you placed your faith in Christ and what he did for us at the cross, you, my friend, became a pure, spotless lamb, a child, someone that God can look at as forgiven, bought with a price, redeemed, taken care of eternally forevermore. Now, it's all, of course, contingent upon how how we continue to believe. I believe that the only moment that you can lose your salvation is if you have simply just distrusted Christ for your salvation. I want to make this statement. It's not very popular in both the, uh, really in most of the Christian world today. But if you can't work for salvation... And the only way that you can, of course, become saved, I believe the only way that you can become unsaved is not by works and not by works of the flesh, not by sin. It's by your unbelief in God's redemption plan. I believe that's the only way. Truthfully, I do. The way that we get saved is by faith in Him. I believe the only way we can undo that is by our distrust and non-faith in Him. 
Now, believe me, I feel like today that we've covered a lot of ground, but I want to, I want you to understand today that God's uh, message is that if we have faith like Abraham, he will have relationship with us. Abraham didn't even see the manifestation of Christ, but he still believed in a most holy God. I love you so much. This is Pastor Colton Pemberton with People's Tabernacle Students. I'm praying that God bless you. God would prosper you. God would make you in his image. I love you so much. You have a wonderful day.